Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Remain standing with me. We're going to go to the book of John this morning. Amen. John chapter 10. Is anybody happy to be in the house of God? Amen. Amen. Come on, don't, don't sit down yet because I, I, I need a little bit of... I need a little, uh, some energy from you guys this morning. <laughs> when, I, when I say I need some energy, like it just, it just immediately, it's like you got, y- y'all get so nervous and y'all just like be quiet. <laughs> uh, are you happy to be in the house of God this morning? Are you, are you happy that God woke you up this morning and, and he brought you to, to his house and he invited you and he said, hey man, come, come to my house this morning because I'm going to show up and I'm going to be there and I'm going to give you a word and I'm going to give you something you need. Praise God for that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to next week. You know, it's Father's Day and, and Pastor Demera said it this, this morning, bring your dads, bring your husbands, bring, uh, bring your Theo, bring your spiritual father, bring somebody. Amen. We're going to have a very anointed speaker uh, next, next, uh, next Sunday. He's, he's my dad. He's the, he's the, the OG, the OG. Amen. Pastor Juan Cantu. And he's going to be bringing the word. I, maybe the first time in English. I, th- I think he's, I, I think he preached one time when I was like sick. Um, and, uh, I, I think he had a translator. There's no, no, no translators next week. So, uh, so praise God. I'm, I'm excited for that. So, uh, so, so bring somebody, man, June, June. I, I love June. I love summer month, but like, I don't love summer months as a pastor because June you have graduations, you got everybody's out of town and, um, and, 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 and so it's, it's, uh, we're working overtime. Amen. Um, but the spirit of God is here. You are here. And I believe that God has a word for you this morning. So John chapter 10, verse six, through 16. If you have it, say, I got it. it. Amen. And let's read this. It says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks him and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too. They are just not in this sheepfold. I must also bring them and they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, my God, for this word that you've spoken. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just be on my lips this morning, my God. I pray that this would be just 100% you, my God. I pray that you, uh, you make us receptive, my God, to your word this morning, my God, that you open up our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive what you have for this, this people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to say this morning, uh, man, uh, Sister Leah preached this morning in, in, in our Spanish service, and man, she she got down. Man, she got down. She is a she's a natural preacher, and um, I, I told her, I'm like, get ready for 
get ready for some, some Sundays here at the 11 o'clock service. Um, just, just praise God that we have, we have great ministers in the house of God. Amen. Um, amen. Amen. Um, I, I entitled the message this morning, Who's Your Shepherd? Who's your shepherd? Kind of like a play on words on like, who's, who's your daddy, right? Who's your shepherd? And I, I really want you to consider that this morning. Who is shepherding you? Who is teaching you? Who is feeding you what you choose to consume? And you might say, well, you are pastor because you're the pastor. Uh, you, you pastor the church. And, and yes, I, I, I preach every week and I, and I teach. And, and, you know, my job is to make sure that, 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 that the church is, is getting fed spiritually. Um, but I'm not the good shepherd that this text is talking about. Um, y'all making me nervous with y'all. I know it's, I know it's, it's a little hot. Amen. It's going to get hotter. The Holy Spirit's about to do something. Um, <laughs> but I'm not the good shepherd. Only Jesus is the good shepherd. And, and when we, th- this is a very pastoral portion of scripture. You'll, if you ever go to like a leadership conference or a pastor's conference, they're probably going to use John chapter 10 because it speaks largely to, to who we are to model as, as Christian leaders and as pastors. But I want to flip it this morning. I don't want to look so much at the perspective of the shepherd, but rather the sheep, because we're all sheep in the kingdom of God. I know that's a derogatory term. I know that, you know, you see on Facebook all these sheep, you know, right? No, but we are sheep in the kingdom of God, meaning we follow Jesus. We, we have to submit to him. We have to let him lead. And that means humbling ourselves and saying, I am the weaker one. I'm not the smarter one. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not as good to, to, to lead myself, so therefore I submit to your leadership. We are sheep in the kingdom of God. And I want to I want to give you a little bit of background here because this is a very this is a very theological speech that, that Jesus is giving. And I hope theology doesn't bore y'all because, you know, it's, it's kind of tied to the word of God. You know, so I want to I want to teach a little bit this morning what Jesus is saying here. Jesus says this immediately after he does a miracle, the miracle of healing the blind man. And he does it by rubbing some, some creating mud and he puts it on the eyes of, of the blind man and, and he tells him to go wash off and he comes back and he can see, right? This is, this is right after that. And you can't really understand what's happening here in this chapter without having the context of chapter nine. So I would encourage you to go read chapter nine. But Jesus does this miracle and it's a miracle that's done on the Sabbath, which was interpreted by the Pharisees as as. Uh, a a day where no healings could happen because if you're healing, you're working. And that upsets the Pharisees, man. Haters always hating, right? They will, they will pick apart something good. Can I just tell you something that you can do good and you can, you can put out your best foot forward and still you're going to have some haters. They're going to criticize and pick apart. Well, you should have done it like this. I would have done it like this. And so that's what they're doing to Jesus. They're picking apart the good that he did. And they're upset. And, and the Pharisees begin to question the man that was born blind because they're skeptical. Because they see this miracle and like, no, that, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that, that that's real. Maybe that was just a staged miracle. And so they begin this investigation to prove whether or not, you know, Jesus really did the miracle. Um, and, and even if the man was ever really born blind. And so they, they bring the man and they ask him, were, 
were you, are you sure you were born blind? He was like, yeah, I think I would know if I was born blind. They, they call up his parents, you know, um, and, and, and they ask him, was your son really born blind? And, and they all confirm it. Yes, this man was born blind. Read chapter 9. It's like back and forth. The Pharisees, they, they just can't understand why Jesus or how Jesus could do this miracle. And the blind man is like, look, I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't know if this man's a sinner or not. All I know is that I was blind and now I can see. I'm just telling the truth. And so word gets to Jesus that, that the Pharisees are having a problem with this miracle. And then Jesus speaks up and he says, you know what? In fact, I think it's the Pharisees who are blind because they refuse to see the truth. You, know, you can have something really evident and, and you, all, you know it's something done by God and you can still refuse to credit God. And Jesus is saying, they're the ones born blind. And so right here in chapter 10, that's when he begins the, the discourse of the good shepherd. So that's, that's, what, that's what the background is. Now, what is a shepherd? What, what do shepherds do? I have, a, I have a little excerpt that I want to share with you that kind of describes the work of the shepherd. It says this, in the early morning, the shepherd led the flock from the fold, marching at its head to the spot where they were to be pastured. Here he would watch them all day taking care that none of the sheep strayed. And if any eluded his watch and wandered away from the rest, seeking diligently till he found it and brought it back. In those lands, sheep required to be supplied regularly with water. And the shepherd for this purpose has to guide them either to some running stream or to wells dug in the wilderness. At night, he brought the flock home to the fold, counting them as they passed under the rod at the door to assume him to assure himself that none were missing. His work didn't just end with sunset. Often he had to guard the fold through the dark hours from the attack of wild beasts or the wily attempts of the prowling thief. So it was the shepherd's job to guard the sheep, to take care of the sheep. And in ancient Israel, leaders, the leaders of Israel were said to be shepherds. They were often called shepherds, but not all shepherds were good shepherds. Not all leaders are good leaders. Sometimes you have a sour, uh, a sour apple in the bunch, as they say, right? There were some leaders who didn't really care about the people. They just cared about themselves. They cared about the status. They cared about the money. They cared about the fame. There's, there's a lot of Christian leaders these days that are in ministry for the wrong reasons. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in, in a second. But I'm going to take you to, to, to a lot of places in Scripture. I hope that's okay. Um, because I want you to see the theological, you know, significance of what Jesus is saying. So in Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel 34, God has this word against the leaders of Israel. He says this, he says, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of the flock? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk, you wear the wool. And butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. You've not taken care of the weak. You've not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. They have wandered through all the mountains and all the hills across the face of the earth, yet no one has gone to search for them. So you had shepherds in Israel who didn't really care about their flock. 
Leaders who didn't really care about those whom they were called to lead. And, and I, I, I read a, a scripture out of Isaiah a few weeks ago, if you remember that, that, that sounded very uh, similar to this, about how the leaders in Israel cared nothing, were doing nothing for the orphans or the widows. They just cared about themselves. And so you really see the heart of God in all of scripture being for the least of these. And then in Ezekiel 34, that same chapter, Ezekiel gives this prophecy. This is 600 years before Jesus. And he says, God is going to send a good shepherd. It's verse 11. It says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock and I will find my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the dark and cloudy day. There's more if you want to read that on your own time. But this is what Jesus is referring to. When he says this, he is now assigning this prophetic figure of of shepherd to himself. He says, I am this good shepherd that Ezekiel 34 was talking about. I, Jesus, I am the Messiah. I am the good shepherd. Again, Jesus always, you know, pushing the envelope, making these very controversial statements about himself. But he's he's speaking truth. And then and then he begins to talk about the sheep that he shepherds. In that main passage that we, we just read, he says, I am the gate for the sheep. Those who come through me will be saved. He says, I know my sheep and they know my voice. He says, when I, when I call, they will listen because they know me. He calls them the true sheep because they don't follow false shepherds. So now I want to bring it back to the title. Who is your shepherd? Who's shepherding you? I can, I can pasture you, I can, I can teach you, I can preach the word of God. Praise God, sometimes I can lead you into worship, which I haven't done in about two months, and I miss it. But my job is simply to lead you to the good shepherd. Every leader's job is simply to lead you, not to follow them, but to lead you to the good shepherd. Right? Because it's the good shepherd who gives you life. It's the good shepherd who brings you joy and peace and patience and fruit. It is he. uh, He is the one from whom we drink and are satisfied. I got nothing life-giving in me. All I can do is point. Point up. That's it. Look up. I, I I can't really give you everything. You know, and and leaders, let me talk to you real quick. I know we got like half the leaders like out today, but but sometimes, sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to be the good shepherd. We put so much pressure on us. I know I do. And I'm, I'm so hard on myself sometimes when I can't be everything to everyone. When I don't have a word for someone that is telling me that they're going through a, a really difficult time. I hate sometimes, you know, being, you know, praying for someone and, 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 and sometimes maybe not immediately seeing the fruit of that prayer. I feel like I got to be the good shepherd, but that's not my job. That's not who God called me to be. And I have to remind myself of that. You know, when my parents were, were pastoring the church and I was under their leadership, um, I loved it when I didn't have to make like difficult decisions. So people would come to me and I'd be like, hey, ask, ask the lead pastors that one. I don't, I don't know. And I, I would shy away from a lot of those difficult decisions and I wouldn't want to deal with like the finances. I just see, see my dad, see my mom, talk to them. And, and as leaders, you know, I, I know that sometimes we feel like we have to handle it. 
We have to handle it. Well, if you're going to me, I have to handle it. I have to have a solution. Pastor Brandon, they call you up, man. You got to have a solution. You better handle it. And we think, if not me, who? You might even feel that way in your home. Maybe you're the priest of your home, the priestess of your home. Your kids are coming to you with a real deep spiritual need, and you think, man, I got I to gotta handle this. What am I going to do? We think that we need to have all the answers all the time, that we need to have all the wisdom all the time, but we don't. So sometimes it's better to say, and I know this is often seen as a cop-out, but it's not when it comes from a genuine place. Pray about it. Pray about it. They, they always, I always see those memes that, that kind of make fun of when people say, just pray about it, bro. You know, because it, it seems so, it's like a cop-out. But sometimes that is literally all you can do is pray about it. Because I, 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 I can give you my opinion, but do you want an opinion or do you want the truth? Because I, I can give you my opinion, but I don't know if it's truth. I don't know what God is doing in your life. I don't know what he's been working on in your life. I don't know the areas that I don't know. So pray about it. Fast about it. Because I'm not the good shepherd. Our pastoral team, our leaders, as awesome as they are, they are not the good shepherds. I may be the pastor, but I still need to be pastored. Ministerially speaking, I'm the pastor. Spiritually, I'm a sheep. And I am constantly in need of direction from the good shepherd. And sometimes, sometimes as a sheep, I'm talking to all of us now, we're all sheep. Sometimes we're lazy. Sometimes we're lazy. Sometimes we, we, we like to think that we're being led by the spirit, but we don't even know what the word says. And instead of reading the Bible, it's just easier to hear it, listen to a sermon. I ain't knocking sermons. I do them every week. But understand that a sermon is not the same thing as the living word of God, okay? All right? The, the words that I speak to you here are not the same as those red letters in your Bible spoken by Jesus Christ himself. We are to test sermons on the word of God. How can you do that if you don't know it? I could be saying stuff, well, the word says this, and you'd be like, oh, really cool. Sometimes we're lazy. Sometimes we're lazy to pray. We leave it up to everybody else. We ask everybody, everybody, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. There's nothing wrong with that. But but we're not just praying for you. We're we're supposed to be praying with you. Okay? Don't, 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 don't send, don't give the power of prayer over to someone else and you ain't doing anything. We're too lazy to grow in the wisdom and the knowledge of God. So we go to those who have wisdom and knowledge of God. And because it's too much work to follow the good shepherd, we settle for following a good shepherd. Who is your shepherd? Who's shepherding you? Who is truly leading you to the living waters? One, one, one 45-minute sermon every week? I ain't going to do it. That's not going to do it. It has to be habitual. It has to be a lifestyle of receiving from God. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody who competes in, in body, um, bodybuilding competitions who just goes to the gym one time a week. I don't know anybody. I don't know, I don't know an expert in anything who only practices it one time a week. 
And so you want to grow your walk with God. You want to grow in your faith. It's not just going to happen on Sundays. This is where we practice together. But you got to practice it Monday through Saturday. You got to practice it when no one else is around. You got to practice it on the road when someone cuts you off. You got you to practice it when your children talk back to you and you just want to slap them. You, you got to practice it. You got to put it into practice. Who's your shepherd? We're all being led by someone. We're all being led by something. But Jesus cautions us. He says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Let's talk about the thief real quick. Let's talk about the thief. Let's let him know we're, we're talking about him. Jesus says in chapter 10, he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. Now, in a direct sense, Jesus doesn't assign this thief to the devil like, like we do. Doesn't mean it's wrong to do that. I'm just giving you context. Here, Jesus is talking about specifically false teachers. People who come in not through the gate, right? The gate is Jesus, but those who find another way in. And their purpose is to, uh, to, to thwart the sheep out of God's purpose for them. May, maybe they're not really in it for God. Maybe they're in it for themselves. Maybe they're in it for the fame. Maybe they're in, in it for the influence or, or for the stage. So they sneak in over the wall and they pretend to be something they're not. This is what the Pharisees were doing. They were preaching that the law is the way that you get to the Father. Jesus is saying, no, I and the Father are one. Go through me and you will get to the Father. How many people live life as as if good deeds are going to do it? You think good works are going to get you into heaven. How many of you think the church is going to get you to heaven? I go to church every Sunday. I'm good. (laughs) Maybe Maybe you think ministry is the gate. As long as I serve in the church, as long as I preach, as long as I teach, as, I, as long as I know the word of God and, and do it in front of people, I'm automatically in the kingdom of God. It's like I get an employee discount in heaven, you know. You think, you think the things of God are what gets you into heaven. And, and I tell you, man, the devil is a great liar because he convinces so many of us of that. The Pharisees believed that the law which, listen, was from God. God gave the law to Moses. It was a good thing. The law was not evil. It was a thing of God. And so they said, okay, it's the law that's going to get you into heaven. Jesus says, no, it's, it's not a thing of God. It's me. It's a person. Only Jesus. Now, with Jesus, we'll follow good works. With Jesus, we'll come, you know, you're going to come, come to church, right? Being, being in ministry. But the gate... Jesus says this, and, and this is something we often miss so much. Jesus says it, he, he says it so clearly. He says, it's narrow. It's narrow. So many people miss it. They miss it. They think they're going to hit it, but they miss the mark. Because they think that it's the stuff that gets you in. No, it's only Jesus. Now, in a broader sense, we can, we can assign this thief to the devil because that's what he does, right? He disguises himself as an angel of light, and many times he, he comes in and he sneaks into the sheepfold, into the church. He may even be preaching. Not, not, not today. Don't look at me. But he may even preach. <laughs> he may minister. 
He may seem nice and sincere and, and, and shake your hand and hug you. And, and he might even pray for you. But what does Jesus say? Verse 4, chapter 10. You still with me? We're going somewhere. Verse 4, Jesus says, After he, he being the good shepherd, has gathered his flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. So Jesus is saying, in order to know who is trying to give you life and who is trying to destroy you, you have to know the shepherd's voice. You have to know my voice. Listen, somebody, if all you know are the voices of TV preachers, if you only ever know the, the voice of the people who tell you what you want to hear, but not really what you need to hear. And the moment someone tells you what you need to hear, you're like, you know what? I'm not coming to church for like two, three weeks. I'm mad. If, if that's what you choose to know, how will you know the difference from the shepherds that call your name? In ancient Israel, shepherds didn't have their own uh, sheepfold. So they, they, they would come from you know all these different shepherds from the area and they would come and they would gather their sheep in one, one sheepfold. Kind of like if you own a horse, it doesn't necessarily mean that you own horse stables. So you, you, you pay for a stable, right? And so that's how it was in ancient Israel. All the shepherds in the area, they would come and they would drop off their, their sheep at the end of the day. And it said that at the beginning of every day, when the shepherds would get there to start their day at work, all they would need to do was lift their voice and their shepherds or their sheep would gather around them because they know their shepherd's voice. They don't have to see it. They don't have to see him. They, they don't have to feel him. They know who they belong to. Now, maybe you're saying, Pastor, that's cute and all, but how can I recognize a voice that I've never heard? Can we be practical? Is that, is that okay? Can we be... We can be practical and spiritual at the same time, right? That's allowed. I've, I've never heard the audible voice of God from his mouth. Some people say they have, and, and that's awesome, but I've never heard it. I've never heard the voice like, like Moses heard. It's Moses, Moses. Never heard that. Or the way that Samuel heard it. Samuel, Samuel. I've never heard it. That would be so convenient. That'd be so convenient, man. Someone gives you a word from God and you're like, hold on, let me, let me ask God. Let me call him real quick. God, did you say this? But it doesn't work that way. So how are we to know the voice of one that we've never heard? That's one, that's one of those questions your kids ask you and you're like, uh. <laughs> the answer is simple, man. The answer is simple. Jesus, see, Jesus is speaking figuratively, right? It's not. It's no mystery. He's speaking figuratively. Hearing the voice of God is equivalent to knowing God. The relationship between the sheep and their shepherd, that was audible. That was the way that they would listen. They would listen and they would know who their shepherd was. Occasionally they would get the rod. But that is the way that the sheep knew their shepherd was by hearing their voice. Now, the way that we know God is not by audibly hearing his voice, but it's, it's by knowing him through his word. It's by submitting to his will. It's, it's by prayer and, and spiritual intimacy with him. That is the way that we know God. It's by knowing his character. If you don't know the character of God, if you don't know the character of God, and you don't know the plan of God, 
You don't know who God is. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel bad about yourself, okay? That's, that's not me. But the Holy Spirit, he don't care. So, so I'm going to say it. it. If all you do, listen. If all you do is listen. I'm not knocking preachers, okay? If all you do is listen to preachers who tell you that God wants the best for you and God wants to bless you, you don't know God. I know it feels good. I know it makes you cry. I know. I know. But if all you're listening to that is God wants to bless you, he wants the best for your life. Think about it like this. If I were to describe a person to you and say, he's a good person, he just wants the best for everybody. And that's all I told you about this person. You would have no idea who this person is other than he's a nice guy. How many Christians are walking around thinking that God is just this big old teddy bear? He just, he, just wants, he just wants the best for me. He just, he, just wants, he just wants to bless me. God is so much bigger than a sermon, than the book you're reading, than the podcast that you're listening to. He's so much bigger. To know him, you have to have intimacy with him. You have to have a relationship with God. And can I tell you that the enemy knows this? The enemy knows the weak points of the church. He knows when you don't really know God, and so he takes advantage of that, and he capitalizes. What, what did he do with Eve in the garden? Did God really say that? If God would have known God, if Eve would have known God, she'd be like, yep, he, he said it. He was pretty clear about it. But, but he deceives. He capitalizes on the weak points. If you don't know God, he's, the enemy knows that you don't know God. So he'll come in pretending to be an agent of God. I say, I come in the name of the Lord. I come, I come in, in Jesus' name. God has sent me as a prophet, and I'm going to speak into your life. And then he deceives. Because you don't know your shepherd. Amen. <clears throat> I'm, just, I'm just saying, man. If all we know, if we just know God by association... It's going to be real easy to be stolen from, killed, and destroyed. Because someone's going to come in the name of God, but they didn't enter through the gate. They snuck in. That's what the enemy does. He sneaks in. He sneaks in with one purpose, to deceive. And if you don't truly know God, know with a capital K, you're going to be falling for a false anointing. You're going to be falling for a false testimony. You're going to be falling for a false man of God talking about, yes, Lord, bless his sister. You're going, to be, you're going to be falling for a false teaching, which is going to lead you astray from the true good shepherd that is Jesus. Maybe what's shepherding you this morning isn't even a person. Maybe it's an object. Maybe it's, maybe it's money. Maybe, maybe, maybe you, you think that, that you've got joy but it's really tied to what you have. And the moment you begin to see your bank account depleting a little bit, so goes your joy. Maybe, maybe what's shepherding you is your relationships. And so whatever is acceptable in your, in your friends group, it's acceptable to you. So if they gossip, you gossip. If they complain, you complain. Maybe you've placed all your eggs in one person. Maybe it's, maybe it's your pastor. Maybe it's your mentor. Maybe it's another leader. There's nothing wrong with having those relationships. But if they are the ones sustaining you, what is going to happen when they fall? 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall. Can I tell you that I don't have a perfect record of no sin? I, I, I don't. And if you think that I, I haven't sinned from the, from the day that y'all voted me in as a pastor, y'all tripping. Because I have. I'm human. I make mistakes. I make the same mistakes that you make. I'm foolish just like everybody else. I can, I can probably learn a thing or two from all of you. Our shepherd needs to be the good shepherd. The good shepherd. The good shepherd. You remember what the, the, what the man, or what Jesus told the man who came in and he, he, he said, he called Jesus good teacher. And, and, and what does Jesus say? He, he responds with the question. He said, why did you, why did you call me good? No one is good except the Father. I, I feel like I've said this to you many times, but just to hit the point again. Why did Jesus say that? Was Jesus saying that he isn't good? No. He was trying to extract an answer from this man who called Jesus good. He was trying to get the, to, 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 to get the man to say, the reason I called you good, Jesus, is because I recognize you as God. And because God is good, therefore you are good. Jesus wasn't saying he wasn't good. In fact, he was saying that he was good. He just wanted the man to see it. But no one else is good. No one else is good but God. That's, what, that's who we need to follow, the good shepherd. But the enemy works this way. He tries to convince you to adopt a counterfeit version of the true shepherd. And when you do, if you do, your foundation's break is only a matter of time. Your foundation needs to be the good shepherd. It needs to be, and it has to happen immediately. It has to happen quickly. If you've come to God and you've said yes to Jesus, say yes to Jesus. Because it's so easy. And, and, and I know, I mean, you need help with your walk. It's, it's, you're brand new. And so you go to the pastors and you go to the leaders and, and you ask all the questions. But make sure that they are not creating your foundation. Let it be the good shepherd. Jesus talks about, Jesus talks about the hired hand. Going back to verse 11. I'm, I'm almost done if I can get the, some keys. <laughs> he says this, he says, going back to verse 11, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks and he scatters the flock and the hired hand runs away because he's only working for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. It was customary for, for shepherds in this, in this time to hire help with looking after their flock. Because especially at night, after a really long day, the shepherds would come and, and they, they, they needed some type of insurance, right? So they would hire the help to really be the night watch. It was kind of a, it was kind of a babysitter and it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a good job. It was a dead end job, very, very entry level job. It was just a paycheck. In other words, there was nothing truly invested in the sheep. I imagine just like a 14 year old boy 
not like our 14-year-old boys. We got men of God, 14-year-old boys. But other churches, 14-year-old boys. They probably showed up late, Brother Edward. Talking about what we want. What do you want me to do? <laughs> they probably slept the whole shift, and then the other half of the shift, they would, they would wake up, and they would be on their phone texting their girlfriend. They probably said, hey, hey girl, no one's here during the night. You come hang out with me. I'm already getting mad at this little boy. Made up. But, but he didn't take the job seriously. He wasn't invested. He was just there. I'm just going to be here. Nothing's going to happen. We're all, I'm just going to watch the sheep and I'm going to collect a paycheck. But then the moment the wolf comes, the predator comes. Now the very reason he was hired, he runs away. I, I don't have time for this. I don't pay me enough for this. I don't want to get eaten. And some of the people, church, that you let into your life, they might not always come through for you in the way that you need them to. Others will. I mean, I believe that we have people in our church that will go the distance to, to pray for you and fight with you and, and, and reach out to you and, and protect you. But again, we can't be everything for everyone. But Jesus says, he says this, look, I lay down my life for you. You have, I, I, don't, I don't know if you understand the significance of this because it was not normal to find a shepherd, even a good shepherd, who would lay down his life for his sheep. The sheep are there for him. They're there to serve him. Now, now zooming out, there's a theological significance to this, right? Jesus, again, is speaking against the leaders of Israel. The leaders who are simply there for status. You are here to serve me. You are here to glorify me. You are here to make me wealthy. You are here to give me followers on Instagram, YouTube subscribers. There's nothing personal between the leaders of Israel and those beneath them. So I'm sorry, Israel, if a predator comes, you're going to be on the front lines because I'm too valuable. Jesus says, I am the only good shepherd who will lay down his life for his sheep. And if I'm the sheep, that's who I want shepherding me. That is who I want leading me. That is who I want teaching me. That is who I want counseling me. That is the one that I want sustaining me because I know. I know I have a foundation in Jesus that will never break. Who is shepherding you this morning? I want you to seriously ask yourself that question. Who is the biggest influence in your life? Maybe you come to church, man, and you're always spiritually tired. And you're tired of being spiritually tired. Maybe, maybe you're sick of just of trying to find the energy to come to church. And you're trying to find it in people. And you're trying to, to you want an encouraging word. And you reach out to people and you're like, man, I just, I, I just, I need some, I just need to talk to some, I just need a vent. And, and look, I'm not knocking that. But that is what you run to before you run to Jesus. They're shepherding you, not him. What does David say? Psalms 23, what does he say? Realize this. David is a tired man, constantly on the run. He's, he's got enemies everywhere. He's been through some stuff. He made the biggest mistake of his life, and he paid for it, and he lost a child he knows the struggles of running a kingdom. But he knows that the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. 
He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right path, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod, your staff protect me. They comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. I I don't expect Pastor Brandon to prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies because we're human. I can't prepare a feast for you in the presence of your enemies because what if your enemies come from me? But Jesus says, I ain't afraid of your enemies. I ain't afraid of your demons. I'm not afraid of the mountains. I'm not afraid of anything. I will prepare a feast and victory knowing that there is victory over your demons, over your victory. I am the good shepherd. Who is shepherding you this morning? Who is shepherding you this morning? Who is sustaining you this morning? Who are you running to for strength? You're not going to get it from anybody else. You're not going to get it in a book. You're not going to get it from Google. You're not going to get it from a podcast. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only you, my God. Come on this morning. Come on. Come on. Come on to these altars. Come on. Come on. Run to the altars. Run to Jesus this morning. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.